Welcome to an inspirational message recorded live at Little Falls Christian Center. Heavenly Father, we surrender everything in this evening before you. Lord, minister your word unto your people that those who are listening, Lord, that they may be touched by this message because it is anointed, because it comes from you, and it concerns your word, and we thank you for that. Bless them, Father. Bless your word, and thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to minister your word. I pray, Father, that you alone may be exalted and glorified in this. And I ask this in the holy name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, to start off with tonight's message, I want to take us quickly back to something that had recently happened and it uh, finished off, which was the Tokyo Olympics in Japan. And if you are South African, you would immediately know the name when I mentioned the name Tatiana Schoenmaker. And for those of our listeners and our followers, part of our family from different countries, now Tatiana Schoenmaker is a swimmer. And she recently, at the Olympics, uh, obtained two medals, a silver medal as well as a gold medal. And in the 200-meter breaststroke where she won the gold medal, she also won, um, she also uh, um, swam in a record, world record time. But before she went to the Olympics, she posted something on her Instagram. And this is what I want to read to you in starting of tonight's message. She wrote there, Father God, may your will be done and may your peace fill us up. May we praise you no matter what the outcome, and may we be empowered by your strength to give our all, and may we forever be in awe of your goodness. Thank you for bringing us to this moment. What a powerful posting. And obviously from this, one deduces that she is a child of God, and all the more, we are so proud of our fellow South African being also a sister in Christ. Now, some of you may not know this. In fact, this was brought to my attention by an Israeli uh, Christian who posted this. And when Tatiana had won the 200-meter breaststroke, also in a world record time, she had the green swimming cap on. And after that, she removed the green swimming cap underneath which she had a white swimming cap. And on this white swimming cap was the following words, Soli Deo Gloria. The word Soli Deo Gloria is the Latin word which means to God alone be the glory. Wow, what an amazing opportunity that was. And we are so proud being brothers and sisters in Christ, when a sister in Christ celebrate her victory in such a manner. My prayer tonight also, in conjunction with this, is may this message bring glory alone to our God alone. Now for tonight's message, I want you to go to the book of John chapter 8, from where we will cover the portion of Scripture in verse 1 to 11. And this is also about a woman, albeit a different one. It has a sad beginning, but it has a wonderful end. And this is the story of the woman who was caught in adultery. Now, I'm not going to read every uh, verse, so to speak, but I want to give you the background to this so that you know what this particular scripture is about. Our Lord Jesus, in the morning, early, leaves from the Mount of Olives, and he goes to the temple in Jerusalem. There he teaches. And whilst he's teaching in the temple, suddenly 
a group of Pharisees comes, interrupts our Lord Jesus whilst he's teaching, and they put this woman right in the center of it all. And they say to Jesus, this woman committed adultery. She must be punished because by the law of Moses, she must be stoned. And then they say to our Lord, what say you? What do you say? Now we all know that this question wasn't a question asked to get our Lord's opinion. It was a question that was set as a trap. But notice how our Lord Jesus acts in this way. He doesn't respond to them. He bends down and he writes on the ground. And one can sense the absolute frustration uh, of, of, of these Pharisees because they demanded a reply from our Lord. And then after a while, our Lord Jesus rose up and he said these words, let any one of you who is without sin cast the first stone. And then it says that one by one they left from the eldest to the youngest until there was no one, until there was only Jesus and this woman. And Jesus once again, after he had said this, he bent down and seeing that they've all left, he looked up and he asked this woman, where are your accusers? Have they not condemned you? And she says, no one, no one had condemned him. Oh Lord, I condemned her. And then Jesus says to her these words, neither do I condemn you. Go then therefore and sin no more. Now, God's word speaks in every season and in every time that we are in. And it's wonderful that something that happened 2,000 years ago still has relevance in the hour and the time that we are living in. And it's not so much the various themes and messages that one can deduce from this portion of Scripture, because there are many, but it is more so a pattern that is visible here, that is visible through the whole, wo whole Word of God that I want to bring to light tonight. And this pattern is this. Satan speaks, and he will always speak. God speaks, and God will always speak. And then you and I are left with a choice. What are we going to do? Now, in this first instance where the devil says and he speaks, it is common knowledge that the devil primarily speaks in two ways. He accuses and he lies. In this instance, we have the woman, and one can almost feel for this woman because she is paraded, so to speak, in front of all, standing alone. She knows she's guilty. I think this woman knew today was her last day. She's guilty. She was caught in the act of adultery, and the punishment is death by stoning. There's no way she was going to get out of this. This is what the devil has laid on the table. And what the attempt here was, where the Pharisees spoke they were the voice of the devil in here because they weren't concerned about this woman at all. They wanted to trap our Lord Jesus. Because you see, no matter what Jesus would answer pertaining to their reasoning, no matter how he would answer, there would be no right answer. Because had Jesus said, I forgive this woman, you must set her free, let's forgive her, her sins, they would say, but you, they now deliberately defy the law of God which states that a person caught in adultery must die. And if Jesus had said, yes, stone her because she's guilty that she may die, they would have said, well, you can't do this because where, you is, where does this tie up with all your preaching over time, the preaching of forgiveness and giving people second chances? And added to that, nobody was permitted to kill anyone amongst the Israelites because Roman law was ruling in the order of the day and the Israelites were subject to the, the Romans. Only they could decree and penalize someone to death. Hence also why the, the, the Pharisees 
and the lawgivers could not crucify Jesus even when they caught him because they had to take him to Pilate to give the go-ahead that Jesus could be crucified. So no matter what our Lord would answer, there would be no right answer. But here is the thing. Satan is a liar. In John 8.44 it says he's the liar and the father of it. He is a deceiver. He is the weakener of nations. And yes, he accuses us. Revelation 12 verses 10 says that he goes before the Father and accuses us day and night. But the Pharisees here were the representatives of Satan because they did not speak the truth. And listen to me when I clarify this. They only spoke half a truth. They were concealing a lot of the truth that were not evident on the day. Firstly, as far as, as, far as my knowledge goes, and I'm not a great fundi, so to speak, on this. But from where I sit, my knowledge says to me, but when somebody's caught in the act of adultery, there must be two parties. Where is the second part? Where is the man that was caught in adultery? And secondly, the law states, the very law that they quote, the law states in Leviticus 20 verses 10, as well as in Deuteronomy 22, 22, that both parties who are guilty in the act of adultery must be taken before the people and that they must be stoned. Where is the second person? Why is the law not upheld in the full manner that it's supposed to be? But you see, this is how Satan operates and how he works. And so it also was when our Lord Jesus was tempted by Satan. He was tempted to jump off a high building because here now Satan goes and he quotes the word for he says here, for it is written. He justifies why he says our Lord must jump down this building because he says, for it is written. So he dares quote scripture and he quotes this in Luke, uh, in, in, in Luke uh, 4 verse 10. It says here, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. So he quotes from Psalm 91.11 here, but he quotes it wrong. Because listen to what Psalm 91.11 actually says. It says, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Satan neglects to mention this. Because had he quoted this correctly, it would have meant that no matter what Jesus was tempted with, the Father would send these angels, and in all His ways, He would be taken care of. He would be protected, and these angels would take care of Jesus. And so it is with you in this world. Now, consider the lies, that, and some of the lies that Satan had told in the Word of God to men and women of God. He said to Abraham, you are too old, to Jeremiah, that you are too young, to Leah, that you are not pretty enough and desirable by your husband Jacob. And he said to Gomer that you are not worthy to be married to the man of Hosea because of the life that you've lived. He says to Gideon, you are the least and the weakest of all. He says to Jacob, you must be fearful of your brother um, Esau because he's coming to kill you. He says to Saul, go out and kill all the Christians because they are a sect who are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says to Elijah, flee because Jezebel wants to come for you and she wants to kill you. What lies have Satan told you concerning your life? Have you been told that you're not good enough? Have you been told that you do not have the talents or the ability to do something? Have you told, been told that you're not worthy to be loved? 
that your voice is not important enough to be heard, that the fears of the world will consume you because of your sins, that your sins will keep you bondage and there's no way out, that you must commit suicide because it is the only way out. What lies have the enemy sold you? And even in the hour that we are living in, you know, when I was 15 years old, coming from a sportive family, we are five children. Sport was, in essence, the primary thing that I did at school. And all my life, I say this not boastfully, but all my life, up until the age of 15, I always only played in the A teams, the first teams. I never played in the B, C, or D team. And then, when I was 15, those years it was standard eight, for today it is the great tens. I played in a team that was a very successful rugby team. We, we've been coming for four years as a team, knowing each other very, very well. And one of those one in, once in a generation teams, in the span of the four years that we've been together, we probably lost two or three times in those four years. That's how good a team it was. So losing wasn't part of our DNA, and I was part of that team. And in one particular game towards the end of the season, I made a mistake in that game, and I costed our team the luxury of winning again. We lost the game, and it all came down to me. Well, that's how I felt, and that's how everybody felt as well. Suddenly, my group of friends, the circle of friends, went from this to a very small bunch of friends. Because, you know what, I costed the team the game now. Even the parents, some of them uttered and murmured the words, yes, there goes the record of going undefeated through the whole season. I was so down, so low in confidence, Eventually, two weeks later, I was dropped to play in the B team, and I played there for the next three or four games. The rest of that whole year after the, the rugby season was over, I made the decision to hang up my boots and to never play rugby again. I didn't have the confidence. I was so rejected. My, my parents, and my dad especially, couldn't even talk to me, and I don't think he tried very hard. I'm not criticizing him, but the fact is I hollowed so much in my rejection, in the mistake that I've made, that I've almost sh shunned people out of my life as well. Was it not for one teacher who reached out to me the following year? And by the way, a teacher that I totally did not see this coming, one who I was not particularly fond of, that he reached out to me and slowly but surely he built my confidence again. The story has a great ending and I don't want to d delve on that or go into that. All glory to God for that. But I've learned a lesson all my life since that day. I still remember it. I still remember the game. I still remember what I did that caused that, 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 that game for our team to win. I've always decided from that day I will never ever walk boastfully or arrogant again in any skill set that I may have. But for too long, I walked in rejection. For too long, I accepted that I was the one at fault. The Lord came and He restored me. What rejection and lies of the enemy are you currently caught up in? What are you believing that the enemy is holding you captive in concerning the lies that he is selling to you? Because I'm telling you, you need to get out of that because it is not your destiny. Destiny, A mistake does not define you. How you rise up and walk from that way forward in Christ will determine where your destination will be. The enemy is talking lies even in the world as it is today. Listen, he's speaking through the media. He's speaking many lies, false news, fear news, fake news through the media. Most of us nowadays almost make decisions based on what the media says. We have an opinion about a person 
what is said in the media. We like or dislike something because of what the media says. Who speaks into your life? The media certainly is a great tool. It's a megaphone and is, is the announcer of the fake and the bad news in the world today. And they are keeping the people captivated. They are governments and leaders of this world. All of them, not singling out one, but all of them have departed from the truth. They have accommodated lies in this world. They have substituted God's moral law, what God says in His Word. And they have substituted that for the sake of being popular, for the sake of human rights, for the sake of the right to have an opinion. What God deems as what is and constitutes at what is lawful in marriage, the world has totally gone crazy as to what they um, accept nowadays to be married. You cannot even choose your own gender in this world nowadays, contrary to what God's law says. Governments and rulers of this world have fallen on the wayside. All the more we need to pray for them. Yes, even in the church, Satan has gone around. Many lies are being spoken even in the churches nowadays. Many ministers go out there, many prophets, many titles, many apostles. They suddenly interpret the Word of God. They've been given the secret gift of interpretation of the Word of God. People become now followers of men and women and not followers of God. Where are you in all of this? Because the devil is telling lies even in the church nowadays. We have to discern, but we walk by this truth because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. This is what our Lord Jesus said. Secondly, God also speaks, and we need to pay attention to what God says. In this situation with this woman caught in adultery, notice our Lord Jesus Christ. He bows down and writes in the ground. He doesn't answer the Pharisees immediately. And then eventually he answers them after rising up. And he is saying to them, Any one of you who is without sin, let you cast the first stone. Their conscience convicted them and they left. As loud and as arrogant as they came in to disrupt the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ, so they walked with the tails between their legs, silently from the eldest to the youngest, knowing that none of them was without sin. Listen, what Jesus wrote on the ground is something that we do not know. I, I would love to know what he wrote on the ground. But whatever it may be, it's up for conjecture. So we, we need to move past that. But I want to share something which I believe is really revelational. What did Jesus do? What is the meaning of him bending down and writing on the ground? And he did it twice. Take yourself back in the Word of God. When was there an, an, an opportunity or an occasion where God himself wrote twice with his finger. That was when he gave the law, the two tablet stones with the commandments of God to Moses, because twice he wrote that with his finger. Jesus Christ, our Lord, bending down, writing in the ground with his finger, on stone, once again, reminds these very Pharisees, you come to accuse this woman by quoting the law, but the very law convicts you of sin. The very law condemns you to death because no one is without sin. Can you see the amazement of what our Lord Jesus teaches the people here? You know, God doesn't only speak orally in His Word. He doesn't only speak orally to you in your life. God speaks in various ways, and you need to hone in those spiritual senses to hear what God is saying. God spoke 
in dreams and in visions. He spoke to Samuel in an audible voice. He spoke to Balaam through a donkey. He spoke to Moses through a burning bush. And he spoke to Belsasar with a hand that wrote on the wall, Mene, mene, tekel, ufarsin. God speaks in many ways. You need to hone in your listening skills to hear what God, is really say, what God really is saying. There are men of God who spoke through God with boldness. And in the hour that they were in, it was pivotal and powerful, the words that they spoke. When Mordecai received the news that the evil Haman conver- con- con- convinced the, the, the king of Persia to pass an edict that the nation of Israel, the Jews, were to be killed and destroyed in a future date, he tore his clothes and poured ashes upon himself. He refused to bow down before Haman. Haman was incensed by it, planning to kill Mordecai. Mordecai could not care because he was not fearful of what Haman could do. He was fearful of God and he would go and he would fast. He would instruct Esther to do likewise and to entreat unto the king to plead for the nation of Israel. He was unmoved in his walk with God. David, when he heard of Goliath and how he was defying God, I believe this story is often mistold and misquoted because not for one second do I believe when David walked into the valley of Elah to face Goliath, not once did he ever see himself as the small guy. David saw himself as the giant because his reasoning was, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who speaks against the armies of the only and the almighty God? You see, when God speaks, you become, you become what God says. When God speaks, you become touched and moved and invigorated by the truth of God in you. Words flow from your mouth that you cannot even comprehend the thoughts of it because when the Spirit of God speaks through you, it speaks truth and only truth. Here is a truth that I want you to know. Through all the ages, no one, not even Satan himself, has ever contested any word that God speaks of him in the Word of God. Everything that God says of Satan is true. Never ever has anybody tried to disprove what Satan says. How's that for one? You know, in a difficult season that I found myself in, I had nothing to pray in the end anymore. And when I came to my knees before God, God pointed me to His Word and He said to me, what is my Word saying? Because therein lies your answer. Every one of you listening here, precious child of God, you are in a season right now. However and whatever that season is, my question is this, what of God's Word are you permitting to speak into your season? What of God's Word are you taking to speak it over your particular season and situation that you are in. You know, the Word of God says this, Our Lord Jesus Christ has got all authority in heaven and on earth. Matthew 28, 18. It says that Jesus has all authority. It's been given unto Him. Now, if Jesus has got all the authority, it means the devil has got nothing. And if you and I are in Christ, and Christ in us, the hope of glory, then we have all that authority Luke 10.19 confirms this, that you have the authority. What are you doing with that authority? Let Christ then speak through you through the power of His Holy Spirit because you have the authority that situations and circumstances and seasons will change when you bring God into that equation. What is God saying to you in this time? What is God saying to the world in this particular point in time? And 
There is so much. I, I wish I had more time, but I'm going to try and condense it into literally a few minutes. You know, for us as Christians, we are looking forward to one particular upcoming event, and that is the catching away of the church. We all look forward to that. When it's going to happen, we don't know. But it is soon, and I will justify what I'm saying, how really soon it is. Because from the teaching that we receive from this church and from what the Word of God teaches us, there's the catching away that will happen, and then there will be the tribulation that comes. But there is a war in between behind all of this that must also still take place, and it is closely connected to the tribulation and to, and to the catching away. That is the Ezekiel 38 war. And I'm just going to mention a few things to bring you to the understanding of how close the catching away of the church is. There are biblical scholars who believe that this Ezekiel 38 war may happen in the tribulation early on, or that it may happen before the tribulation. Now, we know that the catching away happens before the tribulation. So how close then the catching away of the church and this Ezekiel 38 war is, it will frighten you when you hear what I have to say. Now, the word of God in Ezekiel 38 says this, there are conditions that need to be met in order for this war to happen. Israel has to be very prosperous. There are nations that, are, that must align together, forming a coalition gather together to go and fight and, 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 and come up against Israel. Now, why am I speaking specifically of Israel here? I was taught in this church, and it is true, that God still speaks to the world through Israel. Through Israel, we have the prophets. Through Israel, we've got the Bible. Through Israel, we have our Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Israel came salvation through Jesus Christ. We have to watch and see what is happening with Israel. The world and the media will keep you occupied all day long with everything except what's happening in the Middle East and especially in Israel. Right now, if you go and read and see what's happening in the world, you will know what's happening in China, in the United States, in Russia, some of the European nations, very little about Israel. Focus your attention on Israel in the hour that we are living in. A third Almost a third of the Bible is prophetic. It is the only book who is authentic in its accuracy and truth, who talks about the things that must come and happen tomorrow. The catching away is one thing. So, let's consider Ezekiel 38. It says that Israel must be prosperous. Israel must be a nation that is in peace, that must be highly prosperous. Let me share with you things that are happening in Israel at the moment. In this very state, considering the global pandemic with COVID, considering the economic um, crunch in the world globally, Israel it is, is at its best economical state that it's probably been ever. Listen, 87% of Israel's wastewater is undergoing purification. In other words, they take this and they reuse it in the agricultural sector. The next nation that's closest to that is, is Spain by more or less 40%. This is how, how industrious and prosperous Israel is. Plus minus 60 trillion cubic feet of natural gas had been found in Israel quite some time ago. And out of this, they can produce more than 4 billion barrels of crude oil. They've been coming independent in their own right when it comes to oil. On the 29th of July, literally a couple of weeks ago, the Fitch Rating Agency gave Israel an A+. In the midst of economical turmoil and global pandemic, Israel was given an A+. They are an, a, 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 an economic powerhouse as things stand right at this point in time. It is estimated that irrespective of the season that they are in, um, Fitch have given a forecast of 5.1% growth in Israel 
Israel's economy this year in 2021, and it is projected to grow to 5.7 in the year 2022. Considering where the world is right now, how amazing must that be? Israel is the, the greatest military nation in the whole of the Middle East. They're the most technologically advanced military in the world. They are on top. They are riding this wave. The time is right for Israel to be attacked based on Ezekiel 38 because they are economically prosperous. But what must happen? Nations must come against them. Nations must rise up. And Ezekiel mentioned these nations, Russia, Turkey, it is uh, uh, Sudan, Persia, and, and Libya. Now, you may say these nations are all over in the north, in the east, and in the west of Israel. And they are far away from Israel. Listen, let me share something with you. Russia is right now at the doorstep of Israel. Bordering nations to Israel, the nations of Syria and Lebanon, Russia is heavily present there with military precision and with military provision. So Turkey has made no secret of what they think of Israel. Their president has said that he wants to wipe Israel off the face of the nation, a face of the earth, so to speak. All these nations are busy forming a coalition and they are so close. They're right at the border of Israel. It is a matter of time before they gather together and call that attack to attack Israel. In, one, in Luke 21, 28, it is written, When these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. These things, when, when these things begin to happen, they've already begun. You may say, yes, but America is still there in, in the Middle East and, and their presence is there. And in Ezekiel 38, there's no mention of America. Well, you're very right. But just in the last year, look at what happened with America. The new president has called for total removal of all troops from Afghanistan. Right now, that is happening. It's, it's, almost, it's almost concluded. It has been said that 90% of, of Afghanistan had been taken over by the Taliban because of America. America's withdrawal. In June, July 2021, just a few weeks ago, and President Biden announced that the U.S. combat mission in Iraq will end 2021. By the end of this year, there will be no more U.S. troops to be peacemakers in the, U in, in, in the Middle East. We don't criticize USA at all. Please, you must hear me in this. I'm speaking what God is showing us here. Israel is being moved, I mean, USA is being moved out of the Middle East and Israel because they play no significant role in the Ezekiel 38 war to come. If this war is busy being set up to happen, do you know then how close the catching away of the church is? Do you, how, do you know how close it is for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ? Lastly, after the devil says something and after our God speaks and gives us guidance, we are left with a choice. And the choice is to do something. Here, concerning this woman, Jesus said to her, Go and sin no more. That is the action that she needed to take. What must you and I do? What is the action that you and I need to take? I want to take you to 2 Timothy 4 verses 1 and 4. Knowing that the end is near, knowing that the coming of your Lord Jesus Christ is very close, knowing this, now, 2 Timothy 4, verses 1. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Go then, preach the word, 
Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. It's exactly where the world is right now. But according to their own desires, the world is doing it as we speak, and even in the churches. Because they have itching ears. Yes, because people are listening to things they are not supposed to listen and not turning their ears unto God. And they will heap up for themselves teachers. Yes, nowadays people follow certain people. If this prophet is saying something that, 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 that resonates with me, I will follow him rather. If this one says something, I, I, I appreciate that and I will follow that. They will follow the teachers. Leaders of this world will take people and cause them to go astray. Verse 4. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. This is exactly where the world is right now. And verse 5. But you, this is what you must do, you and me, listen. But you, be watchful in all things. Endure the afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. What God has said to you, what God has spoken over you, what God has declared upon your life, listen to what God says. Shun what the enemy is trying to say and do what God requires you to do. For the time is at hand. It is close, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go and be like an evangelist, Paul says. Go and fulfill your ministry, that which God has called you to do in the hour that we are in. Because we can no longer be silent. We must go and be like our beloved sister and declare and say, to God alone be the glory. And even if God wants to use you on an international stage, an international platform, avail yourself to go and be that man and that woman whom God has called you to be. Because in the end, we all will come to that place where it will just be you and God. I close off with this. In South Africa, we are well acquainted, and I suppose you in the nation where you are also, we are well acquainted with the amount of people or the or, the, or the, the number of people that have died of COVID. That statistic is thrown at us every single day. But very seldom do they tell us how many people have survived COVID. Yes, the, the figure is there, but there's no focus or emphasis on this. I want to say to you today, in South Africa, according to the statistics, 2.3 million people so far had beaten COVID. In other words, they've been healed from it. 2.3. There are 2.3 million witnesses that God has prepared and that God has activated in the nation of South Africa to go and testify of the healing powers of Jesus. And even if we go by the statistics that says our nation is an 80% Christian nation, which I know it is not true, because our nation wouldn't be in the spiritual state that it is in if we were 80% Christians. If we just say there are 20% Christians, that means 450,000 men and women are there to go and testify and be a witness of what the Lord has done for them. People in the world who are hopeless must hear your testimony. Go then and be a testimony. Go then and be an evangelist, as Paul says. Go then and fulfill your ministry. This is the end of this message. God is coming. Jesus Christ is coming. Precious brother and sister in Christ, get ready. Be ready. Father God Almighty, we honor you. We truly give you alone glory. Prepare us for this hour. May your name be lifted up high. Bring in the lost. Strengthen us 
in the season that we are in and incline our ears unto you. Make it plain to us what we need to hear from you. And yes, Lord, please command your holy angels charge concerning each and every single one of us because they will keep us in all our ways. In Jesus' mighty name I pray this. Amen. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.